0: Welcome to an encore presentation of Compassion Radio, Chasing the Word. It's Monday, that means it's time for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Sandy, welcome back to the microphone.
1: Hi, it's good to be here.
0: We're recording this during a pretty heavy week. We've just come out of the first round of funerals from the massacre in Nashville. Dear friends of ours are anchored in that church, and so we felt that connection deeply this Mm -hmm. week. And Monday was coming up, where it's time to get back to the Psalms of David. And so many of David's Psalms seem to focus on what would be a lament in modern language. But there was something deeper and more raw and more expectant about the Psalms of David than just lament sometimes. Mm -hmm. The one we chose for this week, especially for the situation that we find ourselves in as a nation, and for us as a family, we'll explain that later today, is Psalm 142.
1: I guess we felt like it was important to focus on a psalm of lament. We've done them before, but especially this week with so much heaviness in our uh, country, and so much reason for lament the lament psalm 142 is an individual lament of david There are others that are corporate laments for congregations, for communities, which would also be appropriate. We just felt like this was a good one to focus on because it screams from our heart. Mm. It is definitely something from our heart. And it is a time when David was in a lot of turmoil and he was running for his life, hiding out in a cave, trying to take care of others around him, but yet feeling the weight of his own sorrow and sadness at his plight, at the lost relationship's. The fear of losing his own life. And I think honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm running for my life. Mm-hmm. I feel like that in the heaviness of the lament or of the sadness. And I want to go hide in a cave to protect myself from the onslaught that's going on around me outside. And that's exactly where David is in this psalm. Many of us can identify with that and feel that heaviness, feel that fear of what's outside. And if I go outside, something is going to take my life. Mm. And maybe not in a literal sense, but definitely in a figurative sense, Oftentimes we feel that.
0: Speaking in figurative tenses here. I was looking again at the preface to this particular psalm. It's called a maskil of David when he was in a cave. The other word that's often used is a miktam of David. But Miktam and Maskil are two words that often repeat themselves throughout the entire book of Psalms describing what David's after. Mm-hmm. People have debated whether or not it has to do with musical notations or the tunes to which they were played.
1: Or the actual instrument itself.
0: Or the instrument. And there's no consensus on this. When we talk about music, music has notation. In every culture and every time, however music is notated has specific meanings that are shorthand for something that become music later. And it's quite possible that these particular words have specific meanings musically In other words, technically for the art of making music Mm -hmm. or a metaphor to speak to the content of the song itself.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm beginning to lean that way, that David has certain grand themes about the way he wrote and psalms he produced that fall into certain buckets. Mm -hmm. And this word masculine happens on a lot of those heavy, deep prayers where there's a lot of personal mourning and pleading with God. And so I went up there and did a little bit of research this morning about what the word miktam and maskel are understood to mean. And when it comes to the Bible, there's nothing. <laughs> the translators simply phonetically spell them out. But the word "maskil" does exist in modern-day language, in a sister language to Hebrew, Arabic. And in Arabic, masculine is used all the time as a measure of weight. And that it describes not necessarily large quantities of material, but the weightiness of something which in itself is heavy, Mm -hmm. silver and gold, things that are considered precious to us now, but are also a burden to carry with you if you have a lot of it. Mm -hmm. So the burdens that we carry, the weightiness of something, the preciousness and the rarity of something are all things that I think of when I think about the idea of the weight of gold. Right. And it has a specific weight of this is what a masculine of gold is. This is what a masculine of silver is. There's a general understanding that if you mention the word, everyone would know what it means. They all either have touched it themselves or know someone who has.
1: Mm. It's a familiar concept.
0: Yes, and one that you would think you would know exactly what it would be like to hold something like this. Mm -hmm. So it is a communal thing. And general understanding. So I think the word itself probably has some kind of metaphorical base there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if it was something about the emotional and spiritual weightiness of something, what a better word to use for the kind of prayers that seem to be falling mm-hmm. under that description in Psalms. Yeah. And Psalm 142 is very much like that. There's a weightiness to it, mm-hmm. which is precious in that it is offered to God. It has preciousness in his sight. Mm, that's good. But it's also horrible. It is a time where it's not a pretty sight. And David is, in my mind, known for his sloppy
1: offerings.
0: (laughs) As great a musician as he was, as precise as he was on his instrument and well-known for being a performer extraordinaire himself, he was the worship leader of a nation. But he was also gut-wrenchingly raw Mm -hmm. about the way he lived out his poetry, Mm -hmm. the way he sang it to God, and probably the way he performed it. In my mind, he is the rock and roll on the shredding guitars with a heavy backbeat in a time where everyone's expecting to hear a nice piano tinkling. Mm -hmm. There's something about him that just really grates, but at the same time, emotes like nobody else.
1: Mm. I like that you said that about David, honey, because David is us. We are David,
0: if we let ourselves So be, you know, many
1: aspects of our lives. And it's important for us to sit in our grief yeah. for a time and really feel the depths of it. There are over 65 Psalms of Lament in the Bible. It's almost half of the book of Psalms. So to me, that says, this is important. Yeah. When that much real estate is given to something, it's an important thing for us to look at. We need not to gloss over yeah. our grief or to set it aside, or to not experience it. Now, yes, we have to function in society, but we also have to function in a healthy way in Mm. society. And if we don't look at our grief for what it really is, for pain and sadness, but also a remembrance of those that we loved and cared about, Mm. then in my mind, we lose so much of our humanity. Mm. We miss out.
0: If we're unwilling to participate in what it means to be human. I like what you say about real estate. If we're speaking about the topography of the soul, there's something about the real estate that's devoted to grief, Mm -hmm. that has a hallowedness to it. Everyone respects it. And when it's not respected, people are horrified. Think about cemeteries or memorials. They are set aside as special places of remembrance in order to encourage people to revisit what the event or the loss meant Mm -hmm. and continues to mean in your life and in the life of the world around you. And what the impact was of the lives that went before you that are memorialized here. Mm -hmm. When kids go off into a cemetery late at night and start tipping over tombstones, rightfully the community is incensed because it's a total disrespect of something that's supposed to be revered by the entire community. Mm -hmm. And it is a personal affront to families whose memorials to their own loved ones have been messed with or destroyed. So it's a very, very personal and visceral response that comes with those kind of crimes against respect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we understand that.
1: Yeah. We call our grief sacred oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Those places are sacred to us. When someone invites us into that deep part of themselves, it's sacred. It is, And in my work as a spiritual director, I feel like I'm walking on very sacred ground mm-hmm. when someone shares with me their grief or their sorrow over lost loved ones. I'm often struck by the beauty and glow that comes on their faces when they begin to talk about this loved one, And they begin to talk about this person that they've lost. Sacred is our connection to God, and that's like the definition of sacred itself. It is a connection to God, to the divine. If we refuse to face that grief, if we refuse to sit with it for a time in our own lives, in our own sadness and grief, we miss an important connection with God.
0: Friends of ours years ago wrote a marvelous worship chorus that was sung probably for a whole generation called, This is Holy Ground. Mm -hmm. And as simple as the melody went, it simply says, This is Holy Ground. This is holy ground, for the Lord is present, and where he is, is holy. Mm -hmm. And when Chris and Carol Beatty wrote that song, it was like instantly accessible. Mm -hmm. The melody was simple. The words were straightforward, but they were profound. Mm -hmm. And it was easy, relatively speaking, for people to enter into the experience together and sing it together. Even the least talented person could sing along with this tune. And it was at a pace that had gravitas, but tenderness to it. Right. And there's not many songs that we sing today that have that quietude that's built into it. The reverence and awe, lyrically and musically, which says, we get it. In our hearts, we get that this is a moment that we should be respecting holiness first and the Holy One so we can experience the Holy One in holiness afterward. Mm. And if grief really is holy, in other words, it's dedicated to the Lord. Where else are you to put it? Where else can you leave it? Then we have to leave it with him. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please, take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, one 800 868 Two four seven eight, And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. We get it. In our hearts, we get that this is a moment that we should be respecting holiness first and the Holy One so we can experience the Holy One in holiness afterward. Mm. And if grief really is holy, in other words, it's dedicated to the Lord, where else are you to put it? Where else can you leave it? then we have to leave it with him mm-hmm. and allow him the right to do with it what he wants. Now, I think the thing that's not holy or is grievous about grief is the kind that we never yield and that we're never willing to part with because for some reason we feel like we are paying penance or that we deserve to live within our grief. We do not want to part with it because if we part with our grief, we part with the one we love. Mm-hmm. And many people get stuck there emotionally,
2: right.
0: especially after unexpected tragedy or violent crime. Like what happened in Nashville this past week. Children stolen. And the truth is, folks, that for those families, the stealing has only just begun. Mm -hmm. I honestly cannot speak for their grief. It would be incredibly unwise for me to try. But I do pray that God can sanctify it somehow.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, in times like this, we'll turn to the Psalms of David once again. This is Psalm 142. A masculine, a weightiness, a preciousness of David to his God, while he was in a cave praying.
1: I cry out loud for help from the Lord. I beg out loud for mercy from the Lord. I pour out my concerns before God. I announce my distress to Him. When my spirit is weak inside me, you still know my way. But they've hidden a trap from me in the path I'm taking. Look right beside me, see? No one pays attention to me. There's no escape for me. No one cares about my life. I cry to you, Lord, for help. You are my refuge, I say. You are all I have in the land of the living. Pay close attention to my shouting because I've been brought down so low. Deliver me from my oppressors because they're stronger than me. Get me out of this prison so I can give thanks to your name. Then the righteous will gather all around me because of your good deeds to me.
0: You know, we could spend probably two months doing a verse at a time on this one. The thing that jumps out to me the most is toward the end where he has spoken everything that his heart knows to speak by itself. By saying, I have no refuge and no one cares for my life. Mm. And then it's like he goes, but Lord, I cry to you. Yeah. When we come to the end of ourselves is when the real praying begins.
1: Absolutely. I would agree with that. I love that Paul tells us also in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit groans. Yeah.
0: So deeply. We We don't know. Yeah, Yeah.
1: And goes before the Father on our behalf in that sense that our spirits are so wrought with pain and so speechless that the Holy Spirit says, I gotcha. I got this. You just pour out what's in your heart, and I'm going to take that to the Father.
0: Yeah. You know, something that comes to my mind when I think about the idea of the Holy Spirit groaning for us is not this emissary between idea, but we think about the Holy Spirit taking our grief and doing something with it and bringing it to the Father so He'll finally hear it. Right. You know, we get that kind of image in our mind. Grief and the appropriate expression of it, the venting of the venom, that was encouraged and was lived out in ancient societies was not about sticking it in a bottle or writing it in a letter and sending it off. It was about those who honored you coming by you and beside you to mourn with you. Mm -hmm. So the idea of when you have run out of tears and you can't even catch your breath, that there's one next to you who's rocking back and forth.
1: Mm -hmm. The keeners that still are very evident in that culture today. When Jesus goes to heal Jairus' daughter, mm-hmm. he gets to the house and there are the women wailing and keening.
0: Keening is that high pitch. Your throat is so tight you can barely get the air out, but yeah. all I can do is whistle practically. That's, yeah. that's a keen. Yeah. And there are birds like pipers and kingfishers and stuff along the ocean shore that would keen and pip and peel in ways that reminded people of the morning that comes at the worst times of their lives. Mm-hmm. And that is at the end of your breath that a keen happens. But then there's something else which happens when the entire body can do nothing but heave Mm
2: -hmm.
0: air in and out. And that is the moaning. Now imagine the God.
1: Imagine a God that does this for us.
0: Who's on his knees in the dirt with you. Mm -hmm. Rocking back and forth with his own tears, mixing with the dust that's being kicked up and turning to mud in his own face. Mm There are so many families in Nashville right now that are going through those funerals that I pray will know a God like that next to them.
2: Mm.
0: I was shamed on Facebook a few times this past week for even bringing up the idea that God would mourn, like he's already done what he has to do to save us. He's died once for all the sins of mankind, like he's not involved with our griefs now. Mm. And I literally got slammed for even saying something like that. Well, I'm, I'm calling that out. And if there's a listener today that's feeling like, I shouldn't feel pain or grief when something bad happens because God's already taken my burdens. Mm. You know, he's eternally sacrificed for you and he's eternally suffering for you. He does not forget what it's like to be on the cross for you. That moment lives with him for eternity. And he experiences that. I can't comprehend of how that actually happens within the Godhead, but there's something about that eternal truth of the eternality of his presence. He would not be the great I am if he didn't have the now always. Mm. So there's something about God's grief and his joy as being so eternally commingled and present that strips our mind of comprehension. And I wouldn't deny God that right or that privilege. If he wants to mourn, get out of God's way mm-hmm. and learn to follow his example. Is it appropriate to lose your cool and completely break down in front of people that respect you because you love somebody?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, walk with Jesus to Bethany for a day and see what he does. So friends, like verse 3 says, my spirit grows faint within me. Not that my body is growing weak or I'm running out of strength. My spirit, my will My desire to even carry on is what David is talking about here. It's fainting within me. It's you who watch over my way. God, what are you going to do? You're going to let me fall on my face and die right here? If I turn off this road you put me on, I'm going to fall into traps and snares. They're right there. People are ready to gun me down the moment I step off the path you've given me. And they're mocking me. So God, what's it going to be? I have no refuge anywhere else, and no one else out there is caring for me. What are you going to do? Is that brash and irreverent? I suppose so if you're expecting to interact with a clean, rational, and cool and calm God. But he didn't offer that kind of God to us because he's not that kind of God. He's all in.
1: Mm. In the person of Jesus, he came and got in the dirt with us. And he showed us that this is what humanity looks like. Someone who walks around with healing in their hands, yet also grieves with those who grieve.
0: Let's the grief pierce him. Yeah, yeah. we got more to unpack on this particular Psalm 142 on next week's program. And the ending note, I would just simply say that as we're recording this, this is a somber anniversary for our family. Today, March 31st in 2020, when we lost my mother-in-law and my wife's mother to complications of something that looks very much like COVID though was never diagnosed as such. And we're still grieving that. Mm. But we're at a point, too, where the memorial process has begun. We're beginning to allow ourselves to remember and to allow ourselves to be in this day and to celebrate the ways that the family came together in beautiful ministry to her in those hours and days beforehand. And we will. We'll spend time today remembering that. And tomorrow will be a new day. As I hope it is for many of you who are probably unwantingly reliving some grave griefs and tragedies in your own life because of the news this past week, and praying that other families don't have to go with these families they're going through again. So pray your lament or your own sorrows, and don't worry about what other people might think about inhabiting your grief as you need to, as God allows you to, as God encourages you to. Mm-hmm. And remember that your grief can be, should be, is an offering to a living God, because he knows what it is to carry the burden of grief. He'll carry yours too. That's not to say you kiss it goodbye forever and it never comes back to see you again. It's just that it's not going to take you down because you know your God's strong enough to hold it and you up.
1: Yes, he knows your pathway.
0: So may your God meet you on the path. May he not allow you to stumble off the path and fall into the traps and snares of the evil one or people who don't respect the way God actually mourns. Mm-hmm. And may you be brave to approach a God who does not shame you for your grief. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Compassion Radio. This is holy
2: ground. We're standing.
0: Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877 Again, that's Box 77160 Corona, California 92877 Or make your gift through our website CompassionRadio.com We need you, friend, so contact us today.